Welcome to a very, very sad edition of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. If you're a regular listener, you probably know why. We'll get to it in a moment. I'm Spike Eskin, along with Liberty Baller's own Mike Levin. Hi, Mike. Hey, buddy. Hey, before, but wait, before we get to any actual show topics, and, yeah. b- and before we find out why you're on the road, I would like to say many people have requested one of our of our faithful listeners, Chris, even offered to buy you a headset mic, legitimately offered to buy, like pay for it out of his own money. <laughs> But and com- you thought you thought I was going to accept it? You well, I was, I was I was worried. Email. Yeah, we we got the email, and then I saw a reply from Mike before I could respond, and I was like, "Oh my God, he's going to accept it." Do not accept it. <laughs> so, starting in January, we will once you get back, we will equip Mike with a a headset mic through Skype. So every actually, you sound pretty good for a cell phone today, but everything will be everything will be sounding a okay. Great. So where are you? Tra- you're traveling. Where are you? Yeah, I flew into uh, I flew into Austin, Texas yesterday, and uh, we uh, I met, my, met a couple of buddies, and I'm driving with one now uh, the rest of the way through the south, and eventually angling up towards uh, Philly over the next week or so. Uh, so I'm just leaving Austin, and uh, we're headed towards New Orleans now. You mentioned a buddy. Speaking of buddies, I will play some sound from a buddy of yours later on. I've mentioned in a previous podcast that I wanted to start a war with the NBA After Dark podcast. Oh, my God. Because they are so negative about the Sixers. That is friend of friend of yours, Andrew Sharp, friend of the podcast, Chris Ryan and Juliet Littman. They were negative, really negative about the Sixers again, along with a really, really disturbing quote from Chris Ryan some uh, trolling from Juliet Littman. I pulled the sound so we could actually play that. So we'll get to that later. Also have some questions from Twitter today, and we'll talk about all the stuff we normally talk about. But to stop, I think, and I think this was a question in the Sixers Prediction League. I didn't, I didn't go back and check whether Brandon Davies would be a Sixer at year's end. I think I'd ans- I had answered yes, and I would have bet anything that Brandon Davies not only would be on the Sixers at the end of this year, but would always be on the Sixers. Yes. And he was the object of the trade with the Nets that netted them the corpse of Andre Karolenko, a 2087 second-round pick, and the right to swap picks in 2042, along <laughs> along with some guy that's already gone, Jorge Gutierrez, I think his name was, but he, yeah. he already got traded. So. Tell me, obviously, Brandon Davies was your your favorite. He has been your favorite for these couple of years, he and Hollis, but I feel like you had a special connection with Brandon Davies because you were the only one who liked him. Yeah. So tell me what it felt like when you heard, you know, take me through the emotions of the Brandon Davies trade. Well, first of all, I haven't been able to write about it yet because I'm still processing. Right. Um, so this this reaction will be still very you know, fragmented because I, I haven't fully, I didn't get a chance to watch the game last night because I was, I was out, so I didn't see him in another uniform. I think that will hurt a lot. Um, I am very upset. There's, there's the part of me that's, that is, uh, that likes to do Brandon David's bits. And that obviously is that, that part of me is inflammatorily upset. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
but there's just the normal human being. Uh, I don't understand the trade. I don't. I don't think it's worth it. I don't think. Uh, you know, if we were, if we were getting Sergey Karasev, of course, like absolutely. But this a trade for a second round pick in six years uh, of a team that will. You know, at least you know it's not going to be a great second round pick. It's gonna they're going to keep paying and be at least mediocre through what's gone. I mean, we don't know. It's six years. I yeah. could be dead by then. Yeah, I th- I, there have been many rumors about Prokhorov wanting to sell the team. I, I'm not even pretending to have any idea what the second round pick is going to be. Yeah, it just seems it just seems like yeah, it's an asset, and is that asset going to be worth? Close, is, is that going to help a championship Sixers more than Brandon Davies would? Probably. Uh, you know, probably. A, you know, Brandon Davies wasn't going to honestly contribute to a Sixers championship aside from being like a hustle guy as the 14th guy off the bench. But when when you deal with like how bald the this rebuilding is, and how and how you know obviously they're saying we're acquiring assets, we're acquiring assets. This is all we're doing, and once we're good enough to have enough talent to compete, to contend, to get to compete, then we'll, then things will start to come together. But until then, everyone is just an asset, and we're only about acquiring more, more and more. So the idea of of of, of turning Brandon Davies into a second round pick, Brandon Davies, undrafted free agent, uh, cost no money to a second round pick. Sure, yeah, that's a that's a win, I suppose. But when you're dealing with people. And especially Brett Brown, who has voiced his displeasure about this, surprisingly to me, uh, I, I, I wouldn't think he'd, he'd talk about this publicly. But although he has been candid about pretty much everything throughout his time here, uh, it just doesn't seem worth it. It just doesn't seem like what you know. If they're getting a first-round pick, which would never happen, uh, obviously you do that. But to get a, a second-round pick in six years uh, for a guy that is by all accounts, a nice, hardworking dude who people like and root for. And also, I do a lot of bits about. Let's not you know, cast that aside entirely, because that matters to me at least. Yep. Uh, it just doesn't seem worth it. It just doesn't seem like why would you, why would you want to piss off your coach and, and, and just like frustrate the players more and, and definitely like give a sense of, like everyone is just an object and not a human being. Everyone's like just so impersonal. Um, I, I think the, the the real trade was like Brandon Davis for Ronald Roberts. I think that was the general idea of like, okay, we're just going to pick up Ronald Roberts, so we may as well try to get something for that. Because um, picking up Roberts and Davies doesn't really make that much sense, I guess. But also, it doesn't matter because you know, just have them around. Um, it bows me out, and I don't. I don't like that there's discourse being made public. Um, and yeah, I, I guess I just don't really see. I don't really think. I think Hinky is undervaluing. Like he's talking about establishing a culture. Well, Brandon Davies helped keep that culture at least somewhat above water. Keep people's heads above water if he's working hard and, and make being a good example and just like being a constant. And so, uh, I think it's shitty. I know it, there's a lot of jokes going around. You know, I'm a supporter of jokes, but 
uh, you know, it's it's tough. It's, it's tough, and it, uh, it I think it's I think it was a, I think it was for me the first like bad move of the Sam Hankey era. I think. I said, speaking of jokes, and I actually by the end of last night, it was funny when I saw him with the Nets was when I felt bad for a minute. I was like, oh, man, really? But I had said, I had tweeted afterwards that, and I, look, I understand, I understand everything about the trade. I understand why, who did what. But I said that it was hilarious to me that Brandon Davies had gotten traded for four things. Like somebody said, like that just the, the um the paper trail of this was we will give you Brandon Davies and in exchange we will get four things for that. I thought that was just yeah. It was very funny to me. And one of those is a he. I know he won't play here, and I know they were avoided tests, but one of them is a like a sort of a useful NBA player. And the uh, you know it's just it's funny. Yeah, but, well, an all star. <laughs> Brandon Davies got traded for an all star. Yeah. So and what's interesting is was I thought what's it called? I thought Davy. I thought. Brett Brown's com- comments were interesting. And I, actually, I'll find Brandon Davies' comments because Davies and Darius Morris both said some interesting things yesterday. But, Darius Morris? Yeah, because he's on the, he's on the Nets now. So, oh. yeah. So I, and I wanted to read those. I, th- I thought both comments were actually, were if you believe in all, a, a Sixers guy at this point, who feel good. It's actually from Morris, too. But I, from somebody I know uh, that is, I would say, close to the players and uh, and there a lot. Also, very bummed out that Davies was traded. Like, that was a real thing. It wasn't just, you know, that was a, a real thing that they were bummed out that Davies was traded. Which is, which is what I said going into the season, why he should be a roster spot. You gave me so much shit for it. Well, because you were making it up and it just happened to be right. But No, no, <laughs> I have feelings. Like, I have feelings. The... You know, it's called journalistic integrity. I think here's here's Somewhere. here's what I what I'll say. Here's what I'll say because I I am on both sides of this. Let's say I think that the one thing the the thing I will say as devil's advocate to you in the not worth it so on and so forth. You know, is that Hinky has said many times and. You know, and often when you think about this, it is not—it is never about one move, and not not all of them are big. A lot of them are small, and hopefully, yeah. you make enough small moves that at the end of all of this, you've made a your hundred small moves, your your hundred second round picks will amount to four useful players that you wouldn't have had otherwise, and then that's a win, and that the that that the that you would hope that the. Um, that the base of this culture that they're building is Brett Brown and and the coaching staff, and that though it will hurt, and then maybe it's a good thing that it hurts that Brandon Davies is traded. Maybe it means that that culture is being created, that a guy like Brandon Davies will be missed. You know, maybe that, that means that they've done something over the next year and a half. That as little as that 2020 second-round pick might be, and that right to swap picks in 2018, which... You know, I may argue is you know we may be much better than the Nets by 2018. Who knows that maybe these are are real, you know, but value and that really like like you were saying, I think the 
the fact that they wanted to bring in, in Ronald Roberts and the fact that Covington has become useful has made Davies' playing time, you know, much, much lower in the last week and a half and I think moving forward. So, but I will agree that the fact that they were, that Brett Brown was vocal about it and, and you know, he wasn't like, I want to, you know, I, I, I don't know why I'm here anymore, so on and so forth, but he was at yeah. least vocal about it, was something. But you're right. I, I think it's important that Brett Brown say negative things when he because I think everyone feels that he is a an honest straightforward guy and that yeah. means being you know straight up when you're not happy too so I thought it was all important I I you know I don't have a problem with them doing it but I thought their reaction to it was interesting and I thought I was more encouraged by the reaction than anything else and um you know and I was just sort of bummed out that I'm glad that the Nets are that Here's something that's funny that you wouldn't have you mentioned a year and a half ago. That after for essentially nothing, you know, a salary dump trade, uh, Arnett Moultrie was cut immediately, but Brandon Davies was not. You know, Brand, uh-huh. Brandon Davies is g- being given a chance to stick around on the net. I mean that. I, lo- I lo- really love. So him. I hope he has. I hope he has like the longest NBA career of all time. That's what I hope. So also, so, also we didn't mention. I don't. I don't know. I don't have the salary numbers in front of me. Um, but it, it's also taking on Carolina's salary. So, not that we don't have enough space, but, you know, there's only a certain amount of moves that we can make where we can eat salary for the season, and this is at least taking some of that for, you know, the right to lose a player that people like and top picks and the pick in 75 years. Yeah. Well, it's sort of funny to imagine that the pick that we traded for, like that person, is probably twelve years old right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. So yeah, so then I I'm mentioned- excited to look to look back, like in twenty twenty, and see who we got, and be like, okay, Brandon Davis was traded for. Yeah, the Davies trade. Close the book on that on this trade in, in eleven years. So the quotes I thought were. Interesting from both Davies and from Darius Morris. If you don't mind, I'll uh, I'll read them to you. This is from, I don't mind. from Keith Pompey wrote this up. He said, "Up up ad Housers. Um, one thing. This is from Davies. One thing I can tell you in the locker room: we were set on winning. That's about the Sixers. We were just. I don't know what that means. We were just going away. I think the the games we played showed that." We lost some close games against some really good teams. There wasn't one game we went into that locker room thinking we were not going to win. Um, and then Darius Morris said, uh, oh, no, and then uh, Brandon Davies said that uh, the Sixers are a great group of guys and it's hard to let, let go of the friendships he built. I love him. And, and you know what? The stuff is the, the, the thing before. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a big reason why, you know, among others, why they traded Turner because you know, we heard things, I don't know if it was public or not, but we heard whispers of like Turner just not being like, we're going to lose. Like, of course we lose again. Like something like that. Yeah. Where he was just like down on it, which is like, obviously as any human being would, but you kind of got to put on a face because it's a public business. He sucks. Evan Turner. <laughs> he fucking sucks. Darius Morris said uh, when they released him last year, I, it all runs together. Yeah, last year. Last year. Darius Morris, 
they just told me it was a business. It wasn't necessarily my play. My play, he said of the Sixers' explanation for releasing him. At the time, we had a winning record, kind of piggybacking off of Brandon. When I was there, we never tried to lose games. We tried to win, but they never told me why they released me. I still think Brown is a great coach and Sam Hinkie is a great manager. That's okay. from Darius Morris. So, yeah. I don't know. I liked them both. I thought both sets of quotes were good and both had really positive things to say. We're t- Again, we're talking about a team that won 92 games last year and then this year, um, you know, oh, yeah, right now. and start off 0-17. So, to, for, for Davey, for both of them to say positive things, I think... I don't know. It's. I thought it was encouraging. You know. About- yeah, and that's that's what you want. That's that's what they want. I can tell you because we've been. You know, we've talked to people in the organization and talked to Anki before. Um, he he wants he he wants people to 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 say like the Sixers are a good organization and they treated me well and he does he doesn't want to burn bridges that kind of thing. That's why he drove Evan to the airport. That kind of thing. It was like he cares. I think there's there's one hand where. On paper, players are assets and players are are not real because there's just angling to get any little gain you can do. But then when actually interacting with them, I think he really is trying to build a culture of like we, we care about the players that we have and we want to establish a good reputation around the league for that. Well, he said that specifically. He actually said when we had that breakfast with him, and Derek was there too, he said, you know, these guys are people. Like he was the one that said that. You know what I mean? Now, I think he does keep a a separation between himself and the players, and that's probably yeah. that's how he's able to do things like this, but I don't think it means that he is not conscious of the fact that they're people. And you know what? It's not like you traded Brandon Davies to Antarctica. You know, he traded him to Brooklyn. So uh, <laughs> it's a bummer, but, you know, he'll be fine. You know, he'll be, he'll, he'll be what he is. So so there you go. So that, that sort of closes, well, I'm sure it's, what what do you have a friend uh, a a favorite Brandon Davies moment from the the history of Brandon Davies Brandon Davies Davies ing over the last year and a half? <laughs> um, shoot, I mean, like it was it was cool to it really. Jake Fisher wrote about it in uh, there was an article that I think Sean posted about everyone's reactions for Davies leaving, uh, which it's very sweet of all the Liberty Ballers guys to take this as seriously as I do. Um, and it was when uh, at summer league when I met when I met Brandon I interviewed him like I asked for media availability for Brandon he came out and he was just very confused <laughs> he was just like why he didn't he didn't say why why you want to talk to me but like he felt it and uh, I don't know I mean you go you like search your own name so maybe he searched his own name maybe he knows that I I am crazy about him uh, I'm not sure but. Um, well, yeah, no, I think there's obviously the funny moments last year of like the missed of the missed dunk yeah. on the alley oop, and then uh, the air ball blast shot of the season. Yep, those are some good ones, and I'm not going to forget that. But uh, you know, he played well, I'd say for the most part this year, and he uh, he was definitely very respected for how hard he was going out there. Hey, go go fuck yourself on the you search your own name stuff. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I really you do. Don't. Though I do. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't. Well, I just said it that you do because you do. <laughs> I don't. All right. So, <laughs> so what? Oh, last night. 
you know, you didn't see the game. I can tell you, if if you're not a Nerlens lover, last night was was fuel for your fire because yeah. he did not play well. I have no idea, by the way, how they were still in that game after three quarters. Like Brooklyn is a they they're terrible. I mean, they yeah. have, I mean, at least two guys right now that Joe Johnson will be in the Hall of Fame and Darren Williams will be in the Hall of Fame. And you think he, Joe Johnson will be in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I think so. Really? Yeah. That's weird. That's weird to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not he, saying no. I just, I, I th- I'm gonna. I think that you know, I I've heard guys talk about the Hall of Fame before and like the things that you can't ignore. And one of the things, oh, I think it was when there somebody was talking about Bosch, and I think it was Barkley or something. And he was saying he was talking about All Star games, and he goes, when you look at a certain number of All Star games, it's difficult to say that the guy isn't in the Hall of Fame. And right now, Joe Johnson. Eight all eight NBA All Star games, which eight? eight, crazy, yeah. And now I know, like you know, for half of those people wondered why he should be in there, but um, and they have him at right now. Basketball Reference as, at Hall of Fame probability has him at about fifty percent. So okay, yeah. So whatever, I, I I think you know, and it's weird because basketball is really about there's not very much at all about like total. Like compiling like total rebounds, but his numbers will be pretty impressive. I think Vince Carter's definitely in, and I think yeah. I think I think Joe Johnson sits sort of right behind Vince Carter. I don't know. For for me, it's more. I guess I look at it more of like a vague, like how did they impact the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the state of the game, and Vince obviously is otherworldly mm-hmm. in that respect. I feel like the NBA would have been no different without Joe Johnson. I agree with that. I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah. Um, but that game last night was terrible. New Orleans was, uh, was, oh, right. was horrible. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Um, I'm not, I, I, I would say that I'm not a not New Orleans lover. I wouldn't say that, that at all. Um, although, also very poor grammar. But also, I wouldn't say because I, I do like him. I, just, I think we both were in the same boat where it was like we had perhaps irrationally hoped he'd be more uh, fine-tuned offensively yeah. than he was coming in, but he has gotten better. I obviously didn't see that team, but uh, I just want to make sure that I'm not a Maryland Tater by any means. No, I think I've been a little more encouraged by his development. I, I would say I'm, I've been a little more excited than you have when we've discussed okay. him. It, um, but... Yeah, I I don't like I don't care that he had a shitty game. Like I've seen Patrick Ewing score one point in a game, you know, in his prime. So whatever. If Nerland, I think the only thing that the I would say the honestly the number the only thing that has concerned me about him so far this year has been the hands thing, and I it's one of those things where I feel like maybe you either have it or you don't. So, but I also think that he, you know. He's a little wired right now, and he. I, I think when he settles down and the game slams him, that the hands yeah. thing will be less of a concern. He might not have great hands ever, but I don't think he's going to be. You know, I don't think it's definite that it's a problem forever. But that's the only thing. He, he does have great hands on the on the defensive end. Right, 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 and he's a good passer too, which is yeah. interesting. He just he doesn't seem to catch the ball that well. Right. <laughs> you know. So, um, the other sort of bad thing from last night. Not bad thing, just a little weird, and it's been a bad streak. Has been only took one shot last night, and I did the. I think you can 
stats don't really change it. But the last now the last six games, I had him at seventeen percent from three, um, twenty six overall, and then overall for the season, he was he's something like twenty six percent from three and thirty eight percent overall. So he's regression to the mean is certainly happening for KJ McDaniels. I did think it was strange. Maybe it's the fact that his shot's not going down, but for him to only take one shot. I know Brooklyn plays a slow pace and there were less shots than normal, but for him to only take one shot was a little was a little strange. I yeah, I don't know. I don't I I I just wear I worry about the entire KJ McDaniels package. Not not the fact that it, not his play. I think he'll be a very good player in the NBA for a while, but just like his relationship to the team, how the players, how the other players treat him, um, his minutes, like has his concern over his minutes. I mean, I guess that that sort of Matt, every player wants more minutes or has issues with how much playing time they're getting in their roles and all that. But uh, I just worry because he's he's expiring and he's a first agent free agent. I worry across the board with about KJ. I will say it's funny. Everybody was. You know, he did the bet on himself contract, and when he played so well over the first ten or twelve games or so, everyone was like, "Well, he's showing everyone, and look at this." And he was so smart to bet on himself. But then, when you have two or three bad games in a row, don't tell me that's not going to get in your head and can't affect you negatively as well. You know, like yeah. him betting on himself, I probably has these are all made up percentages, but could have as much chance of getting in his head in a, in a negative way as motivating him. And then all of yeah. a sudden, you know, you have five or six bad games in a row and you start to see this $40 million that everybody was talking about turn into, I mean, everyone saw last year, I mean, definitely a different situation, a different situation in a number of ways. Evan Turner's first 15 games, everybody was sure he was going to get an 8 or $10 million a year deal. And then by the end of the year, I mean, what did he sign for? Two years and, and $2 million a year? You know, like that can, that can sway a lot. And I'm not so certain that somebody wants to, if you know, if his end of year stats aren't that great, that somebody's willing to go pay, like pay out the ass for KJ McDaniels. You know, you're only paying six million dollars a year for a a top five pick. You know, yeah. so you better be sure he's pretty good if you're doing that. That's all. Yeah. So I'm not worried or anything. It was just, yeah. I think it was sort of sort of strange. I'm sort of relieved a little bit that that I would much rather deal with the what's wrong with KJ McDaniels for a little while rather than the how are we going to keep him when somebody's going to throw a $50 million offer sheet at him narrative. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone can give him that much. I think someone could give him some money, maybe like a 430 kind of thing. I don't know. I really don't. I, really don't, I can't even conceive of what the numbers would be at this point because it's such a unique situation. Because uh, you have to assume that he'll get better over the course of the contract. Um, because he's a rookie, so uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm just concerned about the whole the whole deal. As soon as he signed it, I was like, ah, it's going to be annoying. So it almost feels like we're watching him improve for another team. That's what watching him kind of feels like. Nah, I'm not worried about it. Okay. Yeah, I've decided I'm not worried about that one. That's that'll, good. that'll play that's out good. as it is, and I have. I I don't have much of an emotional connection to him, so I I hope he's here. I hope he's great, but you know. That'll play out the way it plays out. Yeah, I would find as much. I wouldn't say as much pleasure. That, that that is totally wrong. Let's say I would find twenty five as twenty five percent as much pleasure in him getting overpaid by another team and ending up being Landry Fields, as you know, 
I would find way more pleasure in signing him and having him be a great player here. But I yeah. do think it would be interesting to see him get a huge offer sheet and be a dud somewhere else. Yeah, it'll be it'll be certainly interesting from an academic standpoint. Yes, to see who pays him what this offseason. Hey, how about Big Shot Bob? Yeah, man, I was, I'm surprised it took this long for you to get it out. Come on, baby, this dude is so legit. <laughs> ah, he can shoot. Uh, look. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, first of all, first of all, I'm going to call out the fucking Sixers Twitter for stealing my my Bob Covington thing. They fucking stole it. And I said, "Look. What what did they steal exactly? Did they steal you calling him, going from Robert to Bob?" No. Can I explain to you or, exactly yeah, the process please, here? Please, yeah. Please vent. So the night before this happened, or two nights before, it was the home game against Oklahoma City, and they put they put up on the big screen like the halftime leaders, and they didn't have a picture of Robert Covington. Like yeah. they had a picture. So I took a picture of it. I hashtagged it. Bob gets buckets, right? So then the next day, Covington hit a couple of shots. I just tweet out simple. All that I tweeted, Bob gets buckets, and I will say. That immediately afterwards, that tweet was favored by somebody who was responsible for web and internet social media for the <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers. I yeah. know that happened. Then, who we, who, who we both know. Yes. Then, later on, and I will say it was a good Photoshop, and look, whatever, steal my shit, don't give me credit, but they did a, a Photoshop of... Covington in like the in like a Bob's Burgers thing, yep. And it said Bob's it, like Bob's buckets, and and afterwards it said Bob gets buckets, and I was like, "Whole fuck you guys!" And I said <laughs> that they stole it, and the friggin' Sixers Twitter replied to me that they also stole Bob's Burgers. No, 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 no. You didn't steal Bob's Burgers. You parodied Bob's Burgers. You gave them credit, like. You stole my shit. No one else was calling him Bob. No one else was saying that. That was my thing, and you stole it. All right. Bob Covington can shoot. This dude's going to – he is – you want to talk about uh, You want to talk about this four-year bullshit contract that they give people that ended up like that the Chandler Parsons deal or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the first guy I've seen that we have – that signed one of those ridiculous, horrible contracts that looks like he might be a ridiculous value in a couple of years. He's tall and he can shoot. Like, Channing Fry can't do anything else, and he is a, he's $8 million well, a year. Channing Fry's got three inches on Bob Connington. Okay, that's true. That's true. But less swag. Uh, uh, two inches less swag than Covington has. <laughs> Well, you can't you can't measure swag. No, I just I like dudes that can do something good, and Robert Covington can shoot. He can shoot, yeah. and he's tall, and he. Uh, I am all in. I if you it, are always consistent about that about what is the one skill that they are good at. Yes, at least like one. And let me tell you something. I am all in on Covington. If I haven't made it clear before, I'm making it clear now. This dude is legit. I want him to be on the team. For good, he is. I okay. I am gonna say this. Let's hear it. I might be getting a little swept up in the moment. 
But if you were to say to me, Spike, you can have one guy on his current deal, and that guy is Michael Carter-Williams or Robert Covington, who would you rather have? And <laughs> I would take Robert Covington. <laughs> Listen, you know I'm getting on board with big statements like this. Yes. So I, even though I don't agree, yeah. I support it wholeheartedly. I'm saying this. I mean, how much is, like, isn't Chase Budinger making, like, like $7 million a year, and he can sort of kind of shoot? Like, he's a pretty good shooter, uh, and he's hurt every year? I just, the, with the cost of shooting in the NBA right now is so high, and yeah. he, he can do it at less than a million dollars a year, or a million dollars a year. I will take that over a guy that is turning the ball over five times a game for $6 million a year. Give me Covington! Give me this how, dude! It, can you tell me how old Bob Covington is? Oh, I don't know. What is he, 24? I would say somewhere in there, yeah. Let me look. Uh, Bob Covington is 23. Same age as Michael Carter-Williams, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's me. How are you feeling about Bob? Listen, I'm, I'm happy to watch him play. I, it bums me out. I... Uh, Phil Hill tweeted at me yesterday that Covington is what we wanted Hollis to be. Oh, ain't that the truth? And uh, I think Hollis is a better defender, or at least has the potential to be a better defender. Um, he seems he seems faster and like generally like like coordinated. Um, I think difference is that you can play Covington at the four and and not and Hollis is more of a two three. Yeah, yeah, and so so you can sort of. I, I just think defensively, I think I, I, I write I'm I think you're right that um Hollis's physical tools are better defensively, but the fact that you can stick Coving Covington on a four a yeah. lot of times can sort of hide him a little. His his slowness is sort of less of an issue, I think. Yeah. Um but sure, dude, I'm listen, I'm in on Bob. I I love I love that you're all in because 'cause I'm a guy that goes all in on guys. Yep. I love that you're you're jumping on board with that, so I'm happy. I'm thrilled. I got two guys now. I got Roten and I got Covington. That I'm yeah, you do, with. you do. I only have who do I have uh, Hollis. I have Hollis. Yeah, uh, I got to find another guy. Uh, Roberts could be fun. I, I, it'll be fun to see if he. No, has he's too. Anything. He's too like. He's already too popular. He's already okay. too like folklory. Because he's local. Popular. He can't be my guy. I gotta have my guys as my guys. Don't sign a ten day guy. I'll get on board with. We'll see. I'll get, I'll get excited. How are you feeling about Hollis, by the way? Um, I'm a little worried. Yeah. A little worried. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I would, I would love to see him have one. Uh, like, that, like, well, he had that shot. That shot that's in overtime, yes. right? Right, 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 right. Great shot. Big shot. That was a huge shot. Yeah. It was. That's a, that's a, that gets him a couple of years on the Sixers, at least, right? What? I mean, it was the Ray Allen. Essentially, it's yeah. the Ray Allen NBA final shot. It was a great yeah, shot. Yeah, it really was. Or yeah. the Spencer Hawes against the Bucks from the corner shot. One leg in the air off balance. Oh, God. <laughs> that shot. God, that... that shot was so good. Brandon Gallon still has nightmares about that shot. <laughs> well, I'm sure it cost us uh, Andrew Wiggins, like, on, on some level. You know? I mean... A little. You know, I don't know. I got into a huge uh, thing with Matt Moore yesterday. I swore I would... Yes, I heard... I heard about it. I didn't know what it was about or, or what happened. So run run that down. Uh, he just said 
something he's been sort of a hater we've mentioned that you know and then and then when you sort of question him about it he's like look i'm allowed to have doubts and i'm like well i you're yes you're allowed to have doubts but you're being a hater there's a difference but he said that he loved the sixers second round but hated their first round and i said i replied back oh no they said something about the no he said i i i hated their draft or something like that i can't remember what the first thing was but it, there was nothing positive in it. And I said, yep, anytime you can get the best player in both the first and second rounds, uh, you've really got to question the strategy. Like I was sarcastic. Yeah, you're being spike dick about it. Yeah. As, as you're really good at being. <laughs> yes. Well, and so it turned into like this whole, f- it was just like a, a long thing about, he just said that, you know, I, I don't think I'm a drone in it. Like, a lot of my hinky stuff is more because I think it's fun and he's sort of our favorite player. And yeah. I, I definitely believe in it and I think he's super smart. But I'm not an idiot, you know. So he was he was like, he said something to the effect of, you know, there's a solid chance that Joel Embiid doesn't play. And I'm like, well, that wh- how, why do you think that? You know what I mean? Like I yeah. said, I said all I have to go on is that we know that there's an injury. We know that they had that the Sixers have way more information than we do, and they yeah. were comfortable with taking that with whatever that risk was. So I right, so, and that's and that's essentially what we thought with Bynum also. Yes, except, and and we and I stand by that everything that happened there, except Embiid is a more willing participant in what's happening as well. Well, and it, it, by the way, it was Adam Aaron and and Doug Collins and uh and Rod Thorne making the Andrew Bynum decision, by the way. Yeah. Not not the current uh the current group of guys right, which I have It was signed off on by Doug. Yes. Yeah, but I think he just some basketball people tell him to sign off on mostly. Maybe. You know, Maybe. I I I don't know. So and I will say that I have heard many things about there being a lot of confusion as to who knew what about Andrew Bynum's injuries when that deal was made. And yeah. let, let's remember as well that that deal was made when Doug Collins was overseas. Yeah. And so, and I'm coaching not a, Andre Godella. Yes, I and I am not. They're not coaching. No, doing, announcing. Was he coaching or was he doing announcing? No, he was announcing. It was after he no. remember because there was an awkward like he was announcing right. the game. So, and I'm not absolving Doug of anything. I'm just saying that there's a there's a little bit of blame shifty as to who knew what. We're we're never going to absolve Doug of anything. Yes, I'll certainly not me. Certainly, and uh, not you. So, I so th- that was basically all I had to say. And he's like, "Well, of course, because you guys just believe everything they tell you." And I'm like, "No, but but like they don't unless you unless your supposition is a they're idiots or b they want to lose." The the only other supposition could be that their information points to that the the combination of his upside is so much higher than the other guys that we had a choice combined with the fact that he may never be right physically was the was the best gamble at that point. Like I don't yeah. you know, and I said I said something to the effect of like, you know, I think that it is clear that if healthy, his upside was worlds above was was widely considered was general consensus above Aaron Gordon and and Dante Exum and he's like yeah. well, well clearly you haven't watched Exum play well Exum what, is not doing that much yeah and yes uh, well, I a I, I've, I've I've seen like two or three Exum games and I don't care I like 
that is that is not I made a real like this seems like a really reasonable statement. And I said the same thing about uh, Sarich. I'm just like, if my two choices are Alfred Payton or Doug McDermott or, or like or you think that Sarge can be a world beater, then give me the world beater. Yes, I'm not, you know, I don't think that's crazy. Um, but he was he was weird about the whole thing. And then he yeah, did the it's, clearly. It's not, it's not to argue because we, we will just get labeled as you're just being a homer and not shit. Yes. Um, and they are just sort of, most national guys are like, what the things are doing. They're not going to say it's embarrassing and shameful, but. Like like most talking heads will, but they'll both still kind of be like, "Well, I don't like it." Yes, that kind of thing. It'll be like, "Yeah, I get it, but I don't like it." And then once you break down their defenses, it's like, "I just listen. I just don't like that they're that they're trying to build a building organization based on those things." Like, okay, well then you disagree fundamentally with what they're doing, not individual choices. And it's like, well, yeah. it's like okay, well then that's the end of the argument because <laughs> that's where your bias is. Well, and then it always comes down to for me. You know, when they're like, well, you'll just buy, that's what they're trying to sell you. They're selling you bill of goods, blah, blah. Okay, well then, then what are you supposing? What, what is your assertion that they are really trying to do when yeah. they're telling me what they're doing? They're, they're trying to be horrible? Is that They drafted Sarge and Embiid because they're bad and they want to be bad. Yeah, and so if that's what you're saying, I, I, I don't see any reason why they would want to do that. That doesn't seem like a great career move for anyone involved. <laughs> you, know, you know, and it, it would seem to me that even if you... Let's let's say even if you believe that Josh Harris is that guy, and then for some reason you decide that Sam Hankey decides to leave the Rockets to go be that guy, then then yeah. they also just fucking lied to Brett Brown because then you also believe that he is also that guy, and then every scout, you know, and every assistant coach, and every you know, it's like so it doesn't make it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a flawed argument from that. Uh, in keeping with the fuck the haters. Uh, can we move on to the fuck Andrew Sharp segment of yes. the podcast? And fuck Chris Ryan. And fuck Juliet Littman. So, I don't know Chris or Juliet, so I can't fuck them. I, but I can fuck Andrew Sharp. Yes. And I have. And I will again. So fuck Andrew Sharp. Okay, so here we go. This is from the NBA After Dark podcast from Grantland.com. Rough this year. I don't know. I haven't watched a single Caesars think- game. Uh, All right, so first, did you hear that? Um, wait, did you hear? did you hear any of that? Uh, yeah, who said they haven't watched Sixers game? Is that Chris? Chris Ryan, Sixers fan. So let's let's start from the beginning again. Rough this year. I don't know. I haven't watched a single think, Sixers game. Uh, I, only I watched, have somehow. I believe I only watched when they were playing um, the Blazers recently. Yeah. Classic Whitman game right Classic Blazers Pacers. <laughs> That's a West Coast game. Just a regular Friday it's night. It's so funny living out here from being from the East Coast, but the teams you just, like, I've seen a lot of jazz this year. Me too. Just because I'm like, that's like right around the post-dinner sweet spot. Totally. And Gordon Hayward's hair looks really good. So it's like, yeah, I'll tune in. He's little Dante. Looking good. Yeah, he's... he's Get some Gobert in your life. Yeah. I'm, I'm afraid for Trey Burke. Like, I don't know. It's just not looking good for his future in the NBA. In general, I think at some point down the line, we need to do a who's going to be out of the league in five years power rankings. Number one, Michael Carter Williams. Number one. <laughs> she unleashed that <laughs> on me on Monday. <laughs> That's where my head's at. <laughs> a lot has to go wrong, but you know what? I respect your conviction. <laughs> Let's check back in five years. <laughs> there you go. So, wow. yeah, now I had a bit. With that I had planned where I think I was trying to figure out where Michael Carter Williams ranks in NBA point guards and I think I had him twenty fifth or twenty sixth. But but still, if that isn't trolling Sixers fans, I don't know what is. Out of the league in five years. 
I mean, you okay? So Evan Turner was drafted in 2010. Yeah. And there's a for sure thought process that after his contract next season, he could not be signed. Yes. You know, so there you go. It'll be out of the league in five years for Evan Turner if that was the case. But I think Michael Carter-Williams has more tangible skill than Evan Turner. I don't think – I disagree, obviously. I don't, think it's, I, I don't necessarily would say it's trolling. Oh, they're ever. definitely trolling. They're definitely well, trolling. Well, Sharp is. Sharp is all Sharp fucking says. Yeah. They're definitely and, uh, trolling. And Chris, you know, or you've said, and I've, I guess read a little bit, that he hasn't uh, – He's never been on board with what the Sixers are doing. No, well, that's that's not totally true. It, it's just he and I'm. Uh, look, we say this with all due respect and fun, and I like Chris Ryan a lot. But he said that he. It's. I don't think that he's not in on it. He just can't watch it. I think this year he's just been like that. He and toward the end of last year, he just can't. That's fair. It's just too much, which I, I'm sure. actually fine with. You know. Yeah. Um So, but this compared to the. Uh, paired with the last uh, NBA After Dark commenting is, I think it's trolling. I just think they're trolling. Yeah. So No, I mean, listen, I don't know. Sharp is sharp. And uh, we've had plenty of discussions where it ends up with me yelling at him about the Sixers, and he just relents. Um, ultimately, he doesn't care as much about, and I think most people don't care as purely getting yourself the best chance to win a championship. As I do, and I, as I think you do, and as the Sixers do, um, my whole goal of fandom and what I hope happens and what I theorize what happens is, is basically what can we do to win a championship and to put ourselves in the best position to eventually win a championship and contend for one. And uh, for me, that's that's what the Sixers are doing now. Of the Brandon Davis trade, was <laughs> for decades. Uh, uh, well, we're losing you. Oh, really? Yeah, I did. Just for trolls' sake, you there? Yeah. Tell me if the following point guards right now are better than Michael Carter Williams. Okay. Jeff Teague. Better. What's that? Probably better. Better. Uh, John Wall. Probably better. Um, we'd both say no on Mario Chonkel, I think. Alfred Payton. Uh, I'd say probably even. Okay. Maybe. Kemba Walker. Better. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kyle Lowry. Better. Definitely better. Seems better. Um, I'd rather have MCW. Well, I'm talking about right now. Yeah. Darren Williams is better, right? Yeah. Um, Rajon Rondo, better. Jose Calderon? Uh, Worse. Okay. Derek Rose, better. Better. Kyrie Irving, better. Um, Brandon Knight, probably better. Uh, I don't know. Guard in my head, so I don't really. That's different stuff. Okay. I don't. I. I want nothing to do with Brandon Knight. Okay. George Hill. Not better. Um. 
uh, Brandon Jennings. Uh, we'll say not better. Not not better. Uh, Lillard. We did. We never talked about this. You did. I you're you're gone. I feel like everyone's gonna get mad at us. Your um, your cell is really bad. How about no? What was that? Did you see that beat that uh, MCW played on Brandon Jennings? The what that he played? The defense. Oh, yeah. Well, Brandon Jennings stinks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that guy stinks. I mean, boy, talk about a guy that went from somebody that everyone thought could be good to really stinking. He stinks. Brandon Davies stinks. Not Brandon Davies. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Brandon Jennings stinks. Um, uh, Dame Lillard better. Ty Lawson better. Russell Westbrook better. Um, uh, Dante Exum slash Trey Burke not better right now. You there? All right. Well, so sadly, the Rice <laughs> Ricky Sanchez podcast is going to end without Mike Levin, but. As I promised you, next year we're going to have a headset and a microphone. We love you all. Uh, let's go beat the Grizzlies tonight. Like I said, hold your head, son, and don't-